What's up? I'm Cody Schneider. That's an industrial fan in the background. Welcome to the In The Pick podcast. Today, we're talking with my friend Tim. Tim is going to talk to us about out-of-home marketing, which is basically think billboards. And he's going to talk to me uh, about how he's gaming YouTube shorts to grow his podcast and how he's building a media company, just a one-man media company in the out-of-home marketing space entirely off this podcast. This episode is brought to you by Swell AI. Swell AI is a content repurposing tool that helps marketing teams make content for all of the channels that they're trying to do distribution through. Go to swellai.com to get started for free. All right, let's get started with today's show. Yeah, it's fun, right? It Tim, is. I'm so stoked to have you here. <laughs> okay, Dude, I'm stoked to be here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I, we, we right before I hit record, you were telling me you're like about to stop podcasting entirely. And then you were just like figured out kind of these workflows to do it. And this, you know, kind of automated the content production process. What, what did that look like? Talk me through that. Totally. Cause when I started this podcast, we actually just hit four years. And anytime I use we, it's the figurative we in that it's just me. I'm just one person. So, um, I'm just a man. <laughs> I'm just a man. Uh, and, and with a podcast about billboards nonetheless. So, it's not like I, there was ever this Joe Rogan-esque available mass audience. I knew that it was always going to be a small audience, but what I didn't know was, one, just how hard it is to do a podcast, right? Like doing a podcast and learning how to do a podcast, that's its own skill set in itself. And then on top of that, if you want to grow said podcast, you also have to learn how to become like a growth marketer. And be able to put all of that together to unlock the value from the podcast, from your guests, from yeah. all the conversations that are going on. So, yeah, it was probably I think it's this a classic content marketing like challenge. Is like people are like, oh, I just make content, and it's like, just make nah. content. Like that's like that's you know fifty percent of this, right? Fifty um, percent. A lot of the times, I I don't know. I always at like I always advocate for this, but like, <laughs> you, it's better to make like you know hacky shitty content and have good distribution than to have really good polished content um, and like have no distribution. Cause like, it's going to make zero impact. And like, you see this all the time, right? It's just like some kid that is like recording on his iPhone and it's a TikTok, right? And it gets, mm -hmm. it does more business impact than, you know, anybody that's does production or like gets in a studio, et cetera. So anyway, okay, for, for me too, cause this, this is, I mean, we've talked on Twitter and stuff, but we haven't talked in, in IRL yet. So tell, tell me, tell me a little bit about like what you do. So you're in the, you're in, I mean, you do billboards, you're in this space. It's called an out of, out of home marketing or am I? It's a terrible category, right? It, <laughs> it's, it's OOH. If you ever see that acronym flying around, that's what it is. Yeah. OOH, it stands for out of home. Anytime cool. you see OOH in, in, in your head, just say out of home. No one says OOH. So cool. there's like the, the friendly community pro tip. Now everyone's a pro. You just say out of home anytime you see the acronym. But it okay. is. It's anything. It's a billboard. It's a wrap bus. It's a bus shelter. It's a sign above a urinal. It's anything you come into contact with in the physical world. Amazing. Amazing. Okay, so that makes total sense. Um, the thing that I'm curious about is like, is it mainly just billboards or like, what is that? What does that look like? Um, it, 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 what's kind of the landscape of this? And I know we have a ton of questions from Twitter. I'll probably get into that. So cool. I, I want to get it. Kind of my roadmap on this is like, I want to <laughs> learn a little bit about billboards. I know shit, right? Like my background's digital. 
that's all I really have a deep understanding of. Um, the physical stuff is I, the only thing I've really done is like direct mail. Um, mm -hmm. but I, I want to learn about like what, you know, your world is. And then from there, I want to hear about how you are basically like growth hacking YouTube shorts. Cause I will just get into the meat of that content. And then from after that, uh, we have all these questions that people have about this world and this space. And I think, I think going in that direction might be super interesting. Does that sound good? Cool. That sounds awesome. Awesome, man. Hell yeah. Okay. So, so it's billboards. Is there any other kind of like big, like, you know, what are the other, the physical spaces that people are, are buying through, like doing these ad buys through? Billboards is going to be the, the most largely recognizable, no pun and all pun intended, take that however you want. That's most of the money that's spent on out of home is on traditional large format roadside billboards. And it's actually, it's interesting because out of home has a long tail more similar to Facebook in that. 80% of the revenue comes from outside of the top 100 advertisers. It's small and local businesses that make up the lion's share of out-of-home spending. That's Joe's Pizza. That's the nail salon downtown. It's onesie-twosie billboards for small and local businesses make up the backbone of out-of-home. Inventory-wise, it's mostly billboards. But then when you get into the the big cities and metropolitan areas, it's it becomes a, a, a really an exercise in understanding people understanding attention, understanding movement. How do people move through physical spaces? And then how can I dominate their attention when they're there? So if that's inside of a subway, it could be subway so cards. mapping if, that? That's super interesting, actually. Well, the really, really interesting thing is, and it always has been, but the real world is now more deterministic than the internet because with privacy laws, with iOS 14.5, when, when those things went into place, out of home had been using data sets from commercial real estate and retail intelligence. Mm. What's interesting is the data collected for those use cases isn't impacted by privacy laws for data collecting information about ad targeting online. So now you can sit down with an advertiser and say very confidently, oh, you're chewy and you want to target PetSmart customers in the Chicago DMA. Here's exactly what roads they take to get to and from PetSmart. Here's where they spend time during their day. Here's where the other places that they're going. So now you can create a campaign that's really targeted, combine billboards, combine some place-based media kiosks at the mall, et cetera, direct mail in certain zip codes. Now you've got a full funnel approach that makes a lot of sense and you are super efficient doing it. I never thought about it like that, like full stack. Also, it makes total sense. I mean, everybody's talking about this right now, but like third-party cookies and like, I think everybody's trying to figure out like, how the hell do I track sure. <laughs> anything yeah. I'm doing, right? <laughs> like coming, you know, yeah, it'll all kind of change in 2024. But I, it, it's, it's super interesting to me that it's like this thing that's been here for forever, it's going to stay there for forever. And it's actually going to be maybe even more accurate like the ROI is less measurable, but the accuracy of like knowing that media buy is happening or like that that, that data is more, more more accurate, which is crazy. Um, so I I had a quick question actually. Um, I, I like I'm seeing people or like brands do this more and more now, where they almost say like um like they're thinking about the the digital media attention that they can get from this billboard. So they're trying to say something like ridiculous, so that like basically some mm -hmm. people take it and they post the social right. And so then they get all that impression reach. I feel like the Super Bowl has turned into that as well, where it's like, what's the most ridiculous thing we can say? But, you know, they're, they're, the smaller scale, this is this billboard. Um, I know, you know, an example off the top of my head that I can think about is uh, like some of these work from home companies and they put the billboards up 
when you're uh you're when you're for apple employees when they were like driving to apple and it's like <laughs> like the heart of the commute like work you know work from home or you know they had something basically that was like specifically targeting them are you seeing campaigns like that happen more often like could you talk to me about that yeah, it's funny actually. The 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 kind of work from home uh, worked with a, a brand called Robin. And, good. Okay, um, I'll just reset there. Um, it's funny, but the 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 work from home uh, theme. I worked with a, a company called Robin, and they have an app that helps employees know, hey, which teams are coming into the office today? Who's got which conference room booked out? And they did a billboard campaign in Boston, and we we picked high traffic, like really dense, sitting traffic, bumper to bumper roads that poured in from the burbs into downtown. And what was funny was on one of the morning news updates, the helicopter was hovering next to the billboard, and that was the backdrop for the person reading the traffic report was the billboard campaign targeting Unreal. the work from home employee. So like there's the earned media factor totally. where the campaign is the content and whether that's virtual or whether that's, you know, doing a billboard where there's lots of people sitting in traffic, it's becoming more of a tactic. And, and how do I, how do I take this content from my real world campaign and parlay that into my best performing content in my other proven tactics? That's super interesting. It's almost like guerrilla marketing is like flowing over into it. Like what you traditionally would do where it's like, they, you know, I'm just thinking about like Adidas and they're projecting up like their logo on <laughs> something, right? Yeah. Like that, that was like this whole way to kind of get this attention. But now in this age of social media and like how quickly we can basically create this, this media content and it's, it's so abundant. It's like, how do I do this thing that like people will share? And I feel like that is going to become more and more of like a, a creative's role is like, what is this thing that gets that, that share to happen, that earned media to happen. So anyways, super interesting. I just, I remember reading about that. And so I wanted to get kind of your take on it, but okay. Uh, change, change of pace. Talk to me about YouTube. I know you've been just like gaming YouTube shorts and I want to hear what's been oh, working. Man. So yeah. educate the people, man, lay it out. All right, I'm going to I'm going to so and this is to kind of tie off on the the question that you'd asked where I'd, in the open about potentially walking away from podcasting. It's, there's not a huge huge audience that's like salivating over out of home billboard related content. Though I think it's very interesting and the conversations are are, are similar to this. It was midsummer and Cody Schneider hits my feed on Twitter and I'm like, who is this guy talking all these things? And as I started to to follow along with your journey, I think that you had just launched Draft Horse and Swell was on the way and and you know really, really er early on. And um uh, you know, I like to consider myself someone who's beta tolerant. So as soon as it was available, I jumped into Swell because one of the big challenges that I've had at, in growing a podcast is Back to those those two two early things. You got to learn how to do a podcast, and then you got to learn how to grow it. Well, doing all of like the written stuff is actually it's a total conflict of being a podcaster, right? We communicate in one of two ways: we either we're writers or we're speakers. Like this, these are just two accepted facts. So that's that was really hard for me to sit down and be like, okay, I'm going to write show notes and titles. It's a nightmare. I mean, that's where the it's origin a nightmare. Came from. Yeah, man. It's, it, I mean, 
So like where this all came from originally was like I, I was doing some consulting for an early stage startup and like yeah. the best way to build brand when you just like raised a seed round and nobody knows who you are is you make a podcast and you get <laughs> it in front of your entire target audience, right? And that like so overnight, so like we took the founders and like one of the founder one of the founders was a host, right? And so we took them from like nobody knows who they are and 12 months later like people are recognizing her at conferences and like wow. trying to come talk to her because like the whole industry listens to this podcast right there was like 30,000 people on their email list i mean it's just this incredibly impactful way to like get brand from zero to one right um but anyways yeah like what we saw is really the like the post-production sucks Mm -hmm. all of the good like that's where all the value comes from though like mm -hmm. you have terrible show notes like right. you just don't get downloads like it's just like a part of it from like a podcast seo standpoint um and there's a lot of argument around that from what the data i've seen it's it's valuable right no kidding um, that's then, interesting like, yeah 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 it's funny a lot of people yeah we, we, we don't won't go deep on that but the repurposing is like that's the magic right it's like i can do a one long form piece of content and then i can chop it up for into my whole week's worth of stuff and it's like, I mean, we, and we see people do this all the time where it's like, okay, cool. Like I record a fireside chat. We're going to do it with this, this exact thing, right? It's like, I'm going to record a fireside chat or talk to an industry expert. We're going to then chop it up into like five different LinkedIn posts, like, you know, make 21 different tweets and I'll do clips across all of my social media channels. We'll do a blog post. And suddenly it's like, I have all of the content. And as a founder, I, all I had to do was sit down for 45 minutes and maybe, you know, have an hour of mental energy to create that out, like the output, the actual content repurposing now using these AI tools like Swell. So anyways, just brain jumping this thing, but I, it, it's crazy to me that like, this is now possible. Like I used to have to have like 10 people on a content team when I worked, Ugh. you know, <laughs> like, like that was the only way we could do this and it would take hours, like hours. It, it, yeah. And now it's like, you know, I have a scheduling app and I met AI is doing all the repurposing. I touch it up with some human elements, maybe. And like, that's, that's it. That's my whole process. And the rest of it is like spent on other things. Right. So I think anyway. that's where people, people lose it is, is they're, they're, they're focused on, I've got to make this perfect output and this perfect product. And you're viewing it through the lens as, as yourself. Once you can detach from that reality and understand that, wait, the bar should be for yourself. Is this content that I would listen to? Would I watch this podcast? 100%. Would I listen to this conversation? Set that bar for yourself. And then for the content, detach yourself from reality. And, and, and that was the big unlock was understanding that, wait, this is a distribution game. I've got at that point, almost four years now, four years of content about a, topic that no one else has gone this deep on like kid that it's the Stanford MBA of, of out of home, a Stanford MBA takes, uh, 85 hours. There's like 200 plus hours of content about out of home advertising from not, not Tim Rowe. It's not me blabbering. It's people that are way smarter than me. that have been doing it for way longer time. So for my own growth curve, like the, the, the learning curve within the industry was so accelerated. I, I, I don't even know how to like compute that kind of back totally. to the, the story that you shared about the founder and being kind of recognized at industry events and things like that. I'm relative to my industry, legacy folks, 20, 30, 40 year careers with the same companies, getting the gold Rolex, getting recognized at the big industry trade shows. I've been in here for four years and that whole time I've been doing a podcast out of home because 
like you, I was a digital marketer. And then I saw the impact of out of home show up in Google analytics. I'm like, more people need to know about this stuff. So specifically my workflow, this is, this is what I do. I record an episode. I have a little bit of a different workflow today than I had, you know, a few years ago in just recording an episode. But generally, I do like a meet and greet before the episode, and we come come up with a, a vibe framework. check. A vibe check. Yeah, is this going to be good? Because sometimes it's not. It's and brutal. <laughs> you know, like there's there is some there's value to going through the struggle, right? There's value to going through those really really hard ones. But once you get to the point where you can say no to people, learn how to say no to people, because that's maybe been one of the best things for this kind of next chapter of growth for me is turning people away because you do get to a level where you have critical mass and now other people want to be in your shit. They just want to be near you and you have to become very protective of that. You still have to be a platform that enables growth community and do all of those things, but just the same. Now you have an obligation to the community to protect from outsiders um, that might be trying to, to get in for whatever their self-serving purposes are. So it becomes this, this balancing act, but in terms of creating the, the finished product, record an episode, it's generally about 35 minutes. We do that inside of Riverside. I export the episode from Riverside and then I do two things. I, I upload it to YouTube just to get that, like I use YouTube as a, <laughs> It's free storage, really. Yeah, and for totally. part of my workflows. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm not a, a man of independent wealth or, or, or you know <laughs> means anything like that. So I'm trying to find any arbitrage that I can. YouTube is my is my storage center. So I download it from Riverside. I upload it right away to YouTube. From YouTube, I copy paste that link into Swell and I copy paste that link into Opus. And then I, I wait for Swell to render. So I've timed this before. Actually, if you go to theohinsider.com forward slash workflow, I, I, you can go there and steal this whole workflow completely for free. All the resources are there. Um, copy paste the link from YouTube to Swell to Opus. Once Swell does its job and, and, and all of that great content is there, I go in and I grab those keywords. And I wasn't doing this initially, but I was like, how can I get better clips out of Opus? So then I went in and I grabbed the keywords out of Swell. I copy paste the keywords from Swell into Opus. So now Opus knows what to look for inside of that 35-minute episode or so. From that, there will be about 15 to 20 clips. I just go through, I think you used the word sound check. Just go through sound check them. Make sure that they sound. Opus is good too because it gives you like a score. So if it's below a certain score, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to. 62. I'm like, that is still failing, even if that was my average through high school. So I'm looking for the best clips. I generally get like 10 to 15. All the hard work is done for me, right? The show notes, key timestamps moments, quotes, all that stuff swell is done. Now I've got 15 clips to to kind of edit. I don't do a lot of post-production for my podcast itself. I add an intro, I line up the music bed, done. That's it. That's the finished I'll, I'll, product I'll episode. Same, right? Like we I I have a I have a hook at the beginning and then it's yep. like who we're talking to today brought to you by and then just I just you know jump right into it. I, I, for me it's like the big we just saw consumption like piece where it's yep. like i want 
I want them in the content and under 60 seconds, right? Yes. Like everything, like I have them hooked in the first 15 seconds. I have 15 seconds of like who we're going to be hearing from, like 15 seconds CTA and at that like CTA. And then at that point, it's like right into the content. Cause like we've, we've just found like you have, you, that is the window basically to get somebody like hooked into the podcast. And then I'll, of course you got to get, you know, bring bangers like throughout the whole thing. But anyways, just so, so you have these clips now and you take them and talk to me. So, I mean, you just, I, I think you uh, DM me, it was like two weeks ago and you're like, yo, I'm getting just ridiculous views on YouTube shorts right now. Yeah. Talk to me about that and like what you've done there, because that's just like, I think everybody's trying to figure this out right now. So everybody's trying to figure it out. I was trying to figure it out too. Um, and that's getting back all of the time, getting back all of the time from not having to do all of the mundane tasks that we just talked about. It's given me new capacity to realign and, and, and shift focus. So I, I sit in my living room, my desk is in my living room and, and the, living room TV is right next to me. I have a 10 year old son who watches a lot of YouTube shorts on the living room TV. So I'm sitting here and I'm watching him and I'm watching him watch the YouTube shorts and I'm watching the ones that he skips through. And then I'm watching the ones that he watches and then he'll watch you know, and loop. He'll watch them on three, four times over and over again. And there's, there's commonalities between all of them. Sometimes it's clearly AI generated content. It's just AI reading a description about what's happening in a scene. So I started asking him, I'm like, what, why do you keep watching these clips? Or like, what is it that's interesting about these clips? So I'm using my 10 year old for market research on YouTube shorts. And what I noticed was that there was a common structure to them. I'm trying to it give was, you one of those, but we're not having luck. I mean, hey, listen, <laughs> You could borrow. I, you know, what? I might just rent mine out. Just son as a service. There's the new SAS. Uh, you could you could ask him questions about YouTube. Him and his friends, market research. But the thing that I started to realize was, it's all it's the jump cuts, it's the zoom in, zoom out, it's the funny gifts. So I thought, okay, if I can make this workflow work for me, I am going to reinvest my time into the clips. So now my entire focus of the podcast production is getting to the clips. And I spend about five minutes finishing each clip inside of V.io. And I don't go yeah, crazy. I use the same music. If you, you can check out my content on any socials, it's the same music in every single video, right? Because you watch TikTok and it's like, why is this same stupid song trending on every video? I don't know. Like, you don't give a shit as a consumer. Why do I give a shit as a producer? My goal is consumption, right? My goal is distribution for the sake of consumption. So I stopped overthinking those things. Same music bed in every single one. Same bumper outro in every single one. Interesting thing about adding the, the bumper outro. I'm not saying it's only because of this. Since I started adding it, direct traffic up 150 percent. Insane. Just Insane. adding. What's that outro like? Like what? Yeah. what is it just like a go here? Or... It's it's it's, it's a it's like a three second animated typewriter effect that goes the oohinsider.com at the Amazing. end with a black background. Amazing. So you watch Amazing. to the end, you're getting my URL just just absolutely water torture drip 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 right into your face and because the goal so is consumption the link they're actually going and like googling the brand name 
Correct. I'm training them. I'm training them to remember the URL the way that I need them to remember it. Holy shit. Cody, like, I like, I'm not trying to like pump you up. Like yourself, Yoan, I can, I can go back to go back to in growth. We trust episode one, that whatever week that was, that culmination of what was happening in the universe for me, I was about to get out of podcasting, right? I've seen, I, I, I you could follow my Twitter and see some of the, the, the clips and tweets that I share about the, the YouTube growth. It's been explosive. Like every single day, I think for the last week and a half, I've been averaging 25,000 plus views a day. And it's not just solely on my B2B content, but it's, it's on things that I'm recognizing don't have a means of distribution. Otherwise, there's a lot of um, CGI generated kind of virtual out of home, you know, a dragon or a jersey hanging over the London Bridge and things like this. I realize these clips are getting shared kind of like around the out of home industry circles. And I'm sure for the brands, they're they're resonating with their base. But where else are these things being distributed? So I'm just adding those to my distribution flow as well. And guess what? I've added 90 new subscribers in the last three weeks. Are they going to come back and videos. consume all my B2B? Right now. Like the, oh yeah, you see, yeah. A, yeah, it's like a B, I mean, again, you're, you're in a B2B digital, you know, at billboards, billboard space. And some billboards. of the videos are 132,000 views, 25,000 views, 17,000 views. I mean, that's crazy, right? And like, if you close one of these deals from an inbound for this, I mean, the customer lifetime value is probably stupid. Like, it, so it's, it, I think that's the thing that people don't realize. Yeah. Too. It's like, yeah, I got a thousand views, right? But like, <laughs> if the ad buy is 1.5 million, you're going to take a 10% rake. It's like, cool. Like one of those pays for your yeah. whole, the, you know, the whole thing existing. So it's like, I make 10 of those happen in a year. And I, I, it's funny. I've been talking to people about this more and more of like, if I, if I was 22 right now and I had no idea like what to do with my life and I was like, how do I make money on the internet? The first thing I would do is I would go start an agency that's powered by AI. I would do like clip making mm. or something, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's like, and then I would cold email and cold DM every podcast in the US that's published something in the last, you know, 30 days, right? There's like 300,000 of them. And I get to 10K like MRR. And then what I would do is then I would go make a podcast about something like Con like the content marketing podcast or whatever, right? And I would go and I'd blow that up and then I'd build these media brands because like, I'm, I'm thinking about your industry. Yeah. I, so I was just talking to a friend. She's in the supply chain management space okay. and she built a network basically. So she started her own thing and then she built a network and she's now selling ads on this like network that she basically is administering to the entire supply chain software industry. And I'm asking, I'm like, like, how are you doing with this? And she's like, Cody, the money is stupid. And like, I, you know, last time I saw her, it was at like a conference, right? And she's just like, I'm talking just laced up with like gold, like just like jewelry. Like I'm like, something has changed, right? And it, what I'm realizing is like these, I was like, are there competitors in the space? And she's like, it's just me. They like, they have one <laughs> option to buy audio ads on, right? These software companies, but I have the whole industry listening to this. So like, where, of course they're going to come here. And so I, what I'm trying to say is like, you can build these multi-million dollar media companies right now, like as just a solo Absolutely. creator, if yes. the niche has money and doesn't like, isn't super competitive. Like I, I, even if it's just like, I, I mean, 
on this thing, we're just talking about like marketing stuff, right? But there's totally 100% an opportunity where it's like, I'm focusing on founders and I'm focusing on marketing people. They typically have budgets. <laughs> so you want to like, I, I, it gets to a place where I can sell ad spend on this and it basically subsidizes itself. I hire a producer, it does the whole thing, right? I imagine you're thinking about the, the same thing. But anyways, just brain dumping these things that I'm seeing right now where it's like, yes. it, you couldn't do this two years ago in the same way. There's 0% chance. And like now is the opportunity for it if you're, if you're building these agencies and then building these media companies on top of it as well. So, but- it and right. and those rules like like you said 2 years ago right i have a 4 year old podcast 4 years ago i was selling billboards in eastern pennsylvania i thought my audience was the 11 other people sitting in the sales room on monday morning honest to god's truth that's that's who i thought i was helping i thought what better way to synthesize myself than to record conversations with other people smarter than me and share them with my colleagues the podcast is now listened to in over a hundred countries. It consistently cracks. This to me makes no sense. Consistently cracks the top hundred U.S. business news on Apple Podcasts. It's about That's billboards, right? Consistently, um, I, the the number of advising opportunities that have popped up. I'm moderating a panel at Advertising Week. Uh, all because of this podcast. Four years ago, selling billboards in Eastern Pennsylvania. It has completely changed my life. I think David Senra from the Founders Podcast refers to podcasting as the modern printing press. And those rules are being written right now. I didn't know. Four years ago, there was no there was no one talking about, hey, grow a podcast because it could change your life or change your business. Today, everyone's like, yeah, start a podcast. Right? But the 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 barrier to entry has never been lower. Bar, I think from a from a expectation standpoint from your audience has never been higher. That doesn't necessarily mean quality or go buy the most expensive no, it's mic. Just good or content and people get hung good up on content. that. And it drives me insane, man. Like, yes. it's like you can have shit audio, but if I drop how to basically game YouTube Shorts and show you, oh, I did a little paid ad spend that goes to my channel, and suddenly yep. all of my shorts are going viral, right? Like, which I know we're gonna talk about at some point. But like that—that that is what people like. It doesn't matter if it sounds like it was recorded on a potato. If the content is good, <laughs> people will be there. Absolutely, and and that I I can't say that this is the reason why, but I can say very confidently, since adding a small amount of paid budget behind YouTube, it has accelerated everything that I do. And what I mean by small, I mean two dollars and fifty cents a day, a day. Total. I'm a solo creator. I don't a have a budget, right? Yeah. So and 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 this I. Cody, I st also stole this from you. You had tweeted something about a retargeting strategy on YouTube. And I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to take my best performing organic shorts. I'm going to retarget everyone who's watched any of my YouTube content in the last year. I'm going to retarget anyone who's been to my website. And I'm going to retarget anyone who's on my email list. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of cold emails in that email list that is something else that I picked up through this through this last you know three four months is that wait I I can grow these things in lots of little ways and those lots of little yep. ways A create compound. that compound stacking right and then when you do when you 100%. step back 
30, 45 days later, I've been doing a podcast again for almost four years. It's only been the last 45 to, to 60 days that I've seen the, the growth. And it's because of the intentional focus, the things that we're talking about right now and that workflow the Tim, AI so enabled stoked, workflow. This gets me so I'm so stock, bro. So. <laughs> I'm so stuck. Like it is. Here, here's some relative context, and and I'll break down the economics on this because I, th I think about these things too. I was at a startup, and they helped me out. They subsidized support for the podcast, and we had a social media agency and a production team. And the startup was spending fifty five hundred dollars a month so that I could have my time back to talk to customers and make the company money. But $5,500 a month was the nut to produce the podcast. That was the clips, the copywriting, the distribution, all the stuff. What I do today, all in, the meet and greet, the recording of the podcast, post-production, distribution, email, all my socials, it's five hours per episode. So here's how it breaks down. It takes me five hours to create a 35-minute piece of finished content. For every seven minutes of content that I create, it generates a day and a half worth of consumption. Every seven minutes of new content I create generates 36 hours of consumption. The way I think about creating and distributing content has completely changed. I only think about distribution and consumption so when I finish a clip and I upload it to YouTube, I never touch it again. I write all my YouTube descriptions to look and feel like social posts. And then I use another AI tool to distribute on custom schedules to all of my social channels. That's it. That's the, that's the magic. Yeah. And I like talking about billboards. So <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's amazing. So, um, okay. So two, two things I want to, I want to come back to the billboard thing, but first, so these ads you're running, you're, they're locally on YouTube. So you're remarketing mm -hmm. to people on YouTube. So I want to break yes. this down a little bit because I'm starting to do testing on this. I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start talking about public. I, basically, I'm just going to, I'm going to blow up a YouTube channel in public and just like record. Mm. It. <laughs> um, yes. But the strategy is basically what we've seen. And I'm seeing this more and more with anything that is for you page content. So content that's being just kind of distributed when you don't know the origin or the source, like you're not connected mm -hmm. through a social graph. But what happens is that you basically, when you do paid, you're introducing somebody to a profile, okay? And depending on the algorithm, it's going to distribute content to you if you engaged with that profile. So again, I'm gonna talk, well, first let's talk YouTube and then I'm gonna talk what I've just seen on Instagram and, and, and this is gonna apply in some way to every every algorithm. but. So on the YouTube side, when, you in, when you're doing this remarketing ad like you're talking about, when they touch your profile it, and you consume any of that video, basically YouTube is saying, hey, this person likes this type of content. The next time they come into the app, look at what gets shown for you on your For You page, right? Mm. It's going to be stuff that's related. Like it's going to be videos that are from that um, channel that you just engage with. So when you're paying that 250, what you're really doing is you're getting top of funnel introduction to the channel. And then they're basically going to like re they're going to, they're going to bubble up more of that content to people the next time they come back. All right. So that same idea, let's apply it to Instagram. And this is the, what the data I'm seeing. So I do some work in the music space. Um, 
And so uh, my my friends are country music artists, and we, we grew up together and stuff. So cool. long story short, but we uh, basically we we grow his Instagram like it, that's like one of our strategies. So we do engagement ads with a call to action to go and follow his account. So it's like literally an at symbol, right? And then a certain percentage of people click that, they go to the Instagram and they follow. Okay. Um, so at one point we were getting like thirty cent. I don't know what the data is right now, but at one point we were getting like thirty cents followers on Instagram. So it's like, cool, like I take a grand and that turns into 3,000 followers, right? Incredible. So the byproduct of this is we started to see the graph go like logarithmic, right? So it started like it went exponential. And I was like, well, how is this doesn't make any sense. But the epiphany that hit me when we started talking about this YouTube thing is that basically the people are getting introduced to his profile and suddenly now Reels and the Explore page, it's taking his stuff that he's posting organically and it's starting to push it to them <laughs> the next time that they come back to the platform because they're trying to get more engagement, right? And so they're right. just constantly testing that. So again, top of funnel, touch a profile, and then you get into this flywheel of that of that channel, or sorry, of that of that user profile, basically like distributing it through the algorithm. And I'm starting to see this across every every social. Like I think Twitter is the same thing that's happening. So it's like they come, they touch your profile, and then they start. You, like and people have told me this. It's like. I, I engage with one of your tweets and then every time I log into Twitter now, like it's, yes. it's on my for you page, it's a Cody Schneider tweet, right? And I'm like, okay, well that only makes sense if they're touch like oh, they're touching shit. my profile and then it basically is creating mm -hmm. this flywheel. So anyways, just brain dumping these things that we're seeing and how I'm thinking about growing these social accounts right now. It's super interesting because we mentioned Johanna a little bit earlier, but running a Twitter strategy right now that's just dumping 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 cheap traffic onto the website right and 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 my goal is to create those viral loops of i just you liked this here's more would you like more would you like more of the thing that you already ate right here's more ripping 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 free basically free traffic i think the cpm broke out to like 0. 0.0001 it's it's almost practically free the, the clicks are one tenth of one penny right now one tenth of one pen like okay, there's the nothing that cheap today is literally yon talking about this he's getting one cent signups for his new app <laughs> it's called the end it's literally like i'm dude i so he he's doing these ads that are like global uh and foreign impressions but he's getting like one you know point zero zero one cent clicks yes and he uh so it's getting it's getting a 10 percent conversion sign up and he's basically not letting the ad leave the learning phase so on twitter right now there's this glitch where basically it's like if you have you you run the ad there's like this four to five day learning phase where it gives you all this free impressions to try to learn the person that's most likely to click so in or like most likely like the, the right the right audience right right so he's layering these ads so that it's like four to five days and then it stops and then four to Starts five days one. and it stops and at four to five days. And so he just told me, he's like, now he's layering <laughs> multiples of these simultaneously. So imagine I'm spending 10 or I spin up 10 different campaigns. They run for four to five days and then I stop them immediately after I spent up 10 to, you know, 10 different campaigns run four to five days. He's spending one again, a dollar a day on this and he's getting a hundred signups. Like literally the podcast talks about like the one that just went live today talks about this. I'm over here and I'm like, this is ridiculous, right? Imagine that same thing. Insane. What we're talking about like growing a profile, growing a channel, et cetera. So, 
and I don't it's it's interesting to to see it come out in the wash, right? Because I don't care, right? I've spent $4.50 and I've gotten like 3,500 clicks or something insane. It doesn't even make sense. It's all going into my retargeting funnel, right? So if they yeah, are totally. real and they want to engage, then, then you know, YouTube's going to figure all that out for me. I don't have to worry about it. The traffic's so damn cheap, I don't care. Totally. So keep going, going, going. But what's interesting is all of mine is pointing back to the podcast website. I can see. Yeah. I can see that people are listening and watching and, and taking action and engaging with the content. So I don't, I, I just, the, the, the overcomplication of these things. I was talking with a friend at a conference last week and he is an executive at one company advises a few others. He's like, what are you up to these days? And I told him, I said, you know, what I realized is that, it's me doing this for other people that that this is where I can add a lot of value for the the folks in our space. And he goes, "Wait, you don't have a team doing that for you?" <laughs> and I said, "I said, I said, you think I've got a budget for a team, man? I'm eating ramen. Like, what do you like? How do you? But it was interesting. Talk to me about this. Yeah. Like, so are, are, is that on? I mean, I imagine that's on roadmap now. It sounds like the last three to four months have just been stupid, like on growth side. So totally growth focused last four months and, and the monetization has been interesting, right? So when you have a product behind it, if you work at a company, if you are a founder, if you, if you have a direct product behind it in the yep. B2B space, I think it's, you know, it's an easy understanding. The traditional creator playbook for niche B2B podcasting doesn't necessarily apply. Hey, I'm just going to run an affiliate deal or I'm going to. Yeah. You know, so figuring out those economics is, is certainly challenging. I'll give you I'll give you kind of the direct application. When, when I was at high growth startup, 24 months, we went zero to ten million dollars and 60 cents on the dollar went to somebody within the podcast ecosystem, hmm. a partner. Uh, agency, uh, media publisher. So it was very, you could see it. You could see very directly like, oh, here's the money flow from this podcast. Now in this chapter for myself, I'm, I'm understanding that there's, there's different strategies, right? So one of the things that I'm working on right now through partnerships is, is, is through a FinTech partnership. So if nice. you, run a bunch of ads on online and you need like, Hey, I need a bunch of virtual cards to assign to each of my accounts. I need hundred thousand dollars spending limits, or I'm a media publisher. I've got yep. age receivables that are 180 days working with some FinTech partners to help, you know, alleviate pains in, in those areas. So yeah, it's they got through, the cash like, too, which is awesome. Like, right. So partnerships has been one of the ways who are the people that I'm already making in introductions for, and can they give me money? Because yeah, for course. a long time I was making a lot of free introductions. Yeah. So understanding that point with all of this, right? Like there has and to that's be. why, you know, I was talking about like, Oh, build an agency and then do this thing because it's yeah. like, you still need cash. And like, you still like have to have, you know, rent. I, I was joking, rent paid food, like food covers. Have right? to. You can do that. Like, like it, cool. Like you're, you're basically, you're ramen profitable. Um, ramen profitable. Don't do, yeah don't do this thing right They're like unless you're you already have that locked in because if you just are it, it, it doesn't make sense otherwise um 
what you just said perfectly segues into these questions that people have about your oh, space yeah, in the yeah, industry. Yeah, the questions. So let's do the questions. Talk to me. Talk to me about ad quick. Um, what's your What's your take on it? I like ad quick. I like the team at ad quick. Um, the startup that I mentioned. There, there was some ca- competitive juices between ourselves and, and ad quick. But I think that ad quick's a great platform for folks who've bought a lot of traditional media. Maybe they're buying a lot of TV, a lot of radio. They're buying broadcast media, and they need to be more targeted, need to have some level of feedback and measurement. Um, I think that their business model is restrictive for performance marketers where where cost controls are a lever for CAC, right? So where you need to be scrappy and smart and have control over those things, I think that their economics are limiting. Um, but overall, I think for the, the use case of a broadcast media buyer that needs to be more targeted with a, a better feedback loop, I like AdQuick. Cool, cool. No, uh, great take. I was curious, like somebody that's in the industry, if you had like, you know, <laughs> do you think it's legit or like, and again, I know nothing about this. So I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get educated like everybody else. All right. Next one is, uh, why, why do lawyers and uh, like have uh, billboards all over towns? Like, why is that just like something that they buy? Why does Capital One send you so much mail? Because it It fucking works. works. It works. That's so crazy. So people are actually calling lawyers off these billboards. Hundred percent traffic. (laughs) Oh yeah, and 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 it's not that (laughs) it's not that there's you know a plethora of people sitting in traffic every day. They're like, oh, I'm going to call one eight hundred got hurt. But it's I saw it every day for the last five years, and then I got hurt. Yeah. And when you're in those moments, right, you're, you're, you're thinking about that. Like, who do I trust the most? It's someone that Billboard I've seen man. a few thousand <laughs> times, right? It's not probably going to be the person that I Google right away. I'm, you know, need yeah. to get familiarized. So there's, there's a lot of like very, uh, you know, biological, if you will, caveman factors. physical too, like, especially with that, like doctors, like anything that's yeah. like very traditional white collar, I would probably say it's like, oh, like, you know. John has bought this billboard for five years. I don't know who John is, but if he can buy that billboard, that physical thing that I perceive as being very expensive. I think that perceived difficulty by like the people who are mostly going to be your customers. Hey, they did something that's hard. I could do a Facebook ad, right? Anyone think I could do a Facebook ad, but I don't know how to do a billboard. So they, they, they must be, I don't know how to write a book. I don't know how to do a podcast. Therefore, the person who did it, I will assign authority to. Okay, so next question I got for you is uh, when do you, like when do you even think like start to consider traditional advertising? Like when is it worth it for a company to even think about it? I think if you're spending if you're spending a hundred thousand dollars a month on advertising, not just all like marketing and you know expenses but if you're spending a if you have a hundred thousand dollar ad budget it's probably time to start thinking about channel diversification if nothing else and out of home could be one of those options it doesn't always have to be expensive there's lots of things you can do that are scrappy and low cost and gorilla and i i think that yeah if you're you're spending a hundred thousand dollars a month start thinking about spending offline um, but out of home is good at any budget cause you can do scrappy things. Awesome. Awesome. And then, uh, two more and then we'll, do, I, I want to hear this, uh, monetization thing you're talking about. So, um, 
ROI, everybody always asks that with anything physical. How are you yeah. thinking about it? How do you qual you know, how do you qualify it? And then I think for a lot of people, they're like, does this even actually work? <laughs> like if I, you know, Monday.com has a ton of billboards up in my neighborhood ton. right now. Like, mm -hmm. is that working for Monday? Like, what is the how, what is the value of that? How are they actually measuring that? So uh, a little inside baseball on Monday with without giving, you know, kind of the secret sauce away for them, but they very much believe in out of home. They know it works and they have used Monday to create their own internal workflows for managing all of their out of home. So Monday has like a whole out of home team um, and they're really, really smart about the way that they do it. Traditionally mm -hmm. measuring out of home has been super hard though, unless you have a data science team and quants that can sit down and figure out all the mixed media modeling, et cetera. But I think what's kind of beautiful about the last three, four years, privacy restrictions, things getting harder to measure kind of overall is that if you understand directional feedback and how to identify and how to control for it, out of home is typically it's localized. It's in a couple of zip codes. So if you start seeing new user traffic, if you start seeing conversion rates go up, more phone calls, more foot traffic, hey, that could be a good sign that something's changed, right? We're looking at these things year over year, month over month. You can do really deterministic pixel measurement with exposed visitation groups. Hey, who saw my billboard? Uh, think of like a cone projecting out of a middle of a billboard. We create a view shed, try to get grab as many exposed devices as possible, cross device match, do all of those things. So you can really have pretty deterministic measurement but I think what's most valuable is understanding the directional feedback of which markets are working best, where is the biggest opportunity for me to get more new customers, gain market share relative to the media cost, and then which formats are working hardest. Is it billboards? Is it buses? Is it maybe cinema media? Right? Which, which format's right for you? So you can do really, really deterministic measurement, or you can just say, hey, localize zip code lift conversion rate all signs are go hammer down let's do more didn't even think about the zip code thing like in relationship to the website like i'm just thinking about i did i did this in the past where we like we mapped the zip code attribution like this was mm. our, a totally different world but it was like b2b um there was a b2b manufacturing company they were in like in the you know cool. windows <laughs> bathtubs, you know like that type of stuff um but what you just said was super interesting. It's like, okay, we put a billboard here and suddenly we started to see more traffic from that zip code where the billboard is. And you could basically graph that traffic of that zip code month over month or week over week within Google Tag Manager through Google Analytics, right? And yeah. that would basically show you <laughs> like the actual, you know, here's, because I, I think that's the thing that I always would get hung, hung up on is like, you know, I'm trying to follow them all the way from leaving platform to conversion event. Sure. But if third-party cookies go away, which is like the inevitability, like we're all going to be blind again. I, I feel like it's going to turn into just traditional marketing again. Like <laughs> you're working with, you know, fuzzy data that yeah. you're making a ton of assumptions on, but that's just going to have to be good enough, right? And like, I think for a lot of people, especially my generation that came up in like digital first, right? Like where it's like, you know, they, they don't even have any knowledge of it not existing <laughs> where you can't see everything. Right. I, it's, a good point. it's like very uncomfortable for them to think about that. But like, that's how this happened for the last, you know, whatever hundred years of, of, of this, this industry existing. So that's super yeah. interesting. 
I got a couple more minutes. Um, talk to me about this monetization thing. The other thing you were thinking about. Oh yeah. It was, it was actually a strategy brought up by a, a friend who is in the trucking space, like truck drivers. He says, Hey, are you charging people to come on your podcast? I said, what? Charging people to come on my podcast? Like, no way. That's, that's crazy. I would, why would I do that? He goes, cause I just paid 30 grand to be on this podcast. And that's, <laughs> I said, excuse, that's excuse me. And he shared the rate card with everything. Hey, I'll come to you and do a podcast. You come to me and do a podcast. Uh, you know, a live read and versus they're in, a, an, they're in an industry that's like super expensive or just cash flush or whatever. It, it kind of like your friend described. It's a, yeah. a small industry where there's not a lot of platforms that does that is that is rich with cash. Yeah, and of course, and saying, I want like, my CEO on this podcast. Where uh -huh. holy shit, we're so yeah. I'm doing some work with a friend in the biotech space, and we're starting to get this inbound where it's like. It's ridiculous, right? Like I'm talking huge, yes, yes. multi-billion dollar fortune, you know, like large companies. And they're like, hey, we want to come on the podcast because they want the industry. Like the, mm -hmm. now that the industry is listening to it, it's a social signal of like influence when you're on <laughs> yes. this thing. And then suddenly it's like you become this connector. And, it, I, and again, I'm just thinking about like from an ad spend, like, you know, if you want to go again, this is why I think that this media thing is so powerful. Like pick a niche. <laughs> that looks ridiculous is unsexy is uncool but it has a ton of cash go and build a media thing there and like create any type of like content that's it just relative like it can just be relatively interesting right like it's like you're talking about billboards but it's working right? because there's a lot of hundred a segment of people that are really obsessed with billboards and all the things around billboards right and they want to hear industry insiders talk about that if you go do that and then just sell ads to that that same audience, like whether it's like go to like you said, like software companies, etc. Um, I, I think that there's such a huge marketing opportunity, and you don't need a team. You can do this now just by yourself with like yes. again five hours of your time, basically, to build this whole thing out. I mean, it's crazy. And, That's my and rant. That's my maybe yeah. you <laughs> if you work in that unsexy business and you're like. I need a side hustle or maybe like you're, you're trying to build something on the side. Maybe that's not it. Maybe it's, maybe it's doing this, right? I was, I was a digital media guy who ended up working at a billboard company selling billboards in Eastern Pennsylvania, who one day decided I'm going to start a podcast. I have zero qualifications to start a podcast. None. So, but I did it. And now here we are four years later and it's, the most listened to still fastest growing podcast. And I have, I have an impassable moat. I am on the inside of an impassable moat. No one can catch up ever. hundred percent, hundred percent. I think that's the perfect way to end it. Tim, dude, I'm so stoked. We got to connect. Thank you Same. for your valuable time today and coming on and sharing everything that you've been learning. And I, again, I, I got my gears turning, just thinking about all this. So I'm super awesome. appreciative. Thank you. Same, Cody. Thank you so much. It's been great to uh, great to follow your work and finally connect. Stoked, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Definitely. See you. Later.